my welcome, god. Welcome, welcome to Read This Movie, the podcast. Yes, the podcast about the art of adaptation. I'm Nikki Turner. Yeah, I'm James. James Tracy. I'm <laughs> easy there, James Bond. <laughs> I'm here. I'm and it's here, it's this morning at what time is it? 917. 9, 9.17 a.m. Which is the earliest we've ever recorded. Yeah. Um, you can tell by James's voice, he's super tired. I'm I'm tired, but I'm I'm not tired just because I'm waking up. I'm tired because I'm done with this book. <laughs> Aww, I just poor I, James. Uh, I, like I guess yes, we have to. It was a do. longer one too, and it's it's hard when you when a book is long and you don't like it, and you're like, I have to read this. God damn it! Zodiac was long, and Zodiac is like not. You had read Zodiac before. That is true, but I read Zodiac before and was able to read it and not really complain about it. Whereas, like, this was like. I'm like me. I complained the whole time I was reading Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's too dense. <laughs> it is, it is dense. Um, so, but before we actually get into what we're doing, we just like want to like make a blanket statement because we need to be very upfront about the fact that we are both very white. Yeah, this is going to be like a, a white people talking about something that's clearly not made for white people, especially in my case. And where... I think the reason we want to talk about it is because it's actually, it's very recent one. Yeah. Uh, the movie came out last year. And, and the book was like, I think, uh, I think they, in the, the last 10 years, because it's well, a series. Like, yeah, I, I, I did like a couple of late reading, but the direct, the, the writer, the author, wrote it pretty recently like he wrote started writing it like in 2011 uh i think after his dad died so but it's it's we are not asian again we are white and we realize that it is possible unintentionally that we might say something offensive if we do please let us know yeah i'm, I'm open to like being ripped apart for yeah. being a white guy like Honestly. Yeah, we fucking deserve it. White people deserve it. <laughs> like we 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 realize we are very privileged and but this is like this was a big cultural phenomenon like pop culture phenomenon yeah, that like we wanted to uh, we wanted to take like tackle a book that was pretty recent you know i thought that would be fun i thought that would be fun <laughs> um so uh i think i think that's enough of a preface but yeah uh, but please if we say something and you're like Mm -hmm. please let us know because we really we will we will apologize wholeheartedly it's really not intentional because yeah sometimes we need to check our privilege so nikki um we're doing are, i think it's pretty obvious what yeah we're doing, but what are we doing crazy rich asians yeah which is a very fun title sorry about my ac everyone oh yeah but yeah so we're gonna start by talking about the book as we always do i know for a fact so i don't think james knows completely how I feel. James has been very open about how much he doesn't like this book. <laughs> He's been like, oh my God, I can't even read it. How did you read this? And I don't think you really know my opinions that I much. have no idea what you think of it. Okay. I know, all I got from you was a text saying, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay, sure. So let's start um, with a little bit of a summarize. So Crazy Rich Asians is a book about um, a couple of different characters. Yeah, it's like a, it's more like a, 
like a whole broad char- not character piece but it's like an ensemble piece I well guess, it's like a family of. and yeah. how pe- different people interrelate within the family yeah and it basically sort of s- it, it centers around uh, a couple a couple which is Rachel and uh, Nicholas Nick. and uh, they go to Singapore for his best friend's wedding where he's like a groomsman and best man or, sorry yeah he's he's best he's man he's best man because he's his best friend I can tell how little you care about this book yeah already like <laughs> the I'm, details are already not there the details are yeah we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to the details in a little bit. but basically um and he's introducing uh, Rachel his, to, his, to family. his family. And and um, she has no idea what to expect. She knows nothing about his family. Yeah, she knows nothing about the background, how rich he is. Spoiler alert, he's really, really rich. He's like old money, one of the richest families you, in Singapore. You could say he's crazy rich. Yeah. Wow. He could be crazy rich. He could be crazy rich. AKA based on the title. What? But he he is not that, that type of person like money has never been to him a big deal his family money has never been a big deal but he doesn't realize basically he's throwing rachel to the wolves uh yeah no he's basically and like and she basically sort of has to contend with all of those relationships that he knows and all those connections because of all these like very snobby rich people. And there's a family, lot of these connections, especially his mom and his grandmother, his grandmother, Amma. Like his Amma. Yeah. Um, and so the main, the main other players after, um, Rachel and Nick are Amma, his grandmother, his mother, Eleanor, um, Rachel's best friend, Paik Lynn. Yep. Um, Nick's cousin, Astrid. Right. And... Astrid, who's like the only, in my opinion, the only person I care about in this <laughs> That's fair. But then, and then, and then it all centers around one big event, which is the wedding of Colin Koo and Araminta, yeah. who I can't remember her last name. There's a bunch of other characters. A lot of... Oh, like, there's tons. There's so many characters. I think the book starts with like a chart of like all of the families. Yeah. Which is like when I saw Which is that, super helpful though. Which is helpful in one way, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, oh no. Oh no, I'm not going to like this at all. The book is extremely nuanced. You can tell. You need to follow who knows who, how they know them, and honestly, their level of wealth. Because that is this is a like this is a high society book. Like you need yeah. to you need to really understand. And, and Kevin Kwan, the author, does actually a really incredible job of helping you to understand the importance of different characters, not so much in the scope of the actual narrative, but in the scope of the world he has created. Ugh. You need to... I, okay. <laughs> I just like... But he does. You have to admit, Kevin Kwan does a really great job of setting up a scene where you know just how rich certain people are versus other people and the almost social hierarchy of liking the book aside. This is just the strict... Like understanding the the social hierarchy. I just... I, I suppose he conveys the astronomical wealth of a lot of these people in very... in very efficient... But also subtle ways. Eh, yeah. Well, it's not subtle how they spend money, but I mean, he, it's not like he's like, and this person bought this and this and this. It's like part of the story. It's like, and so and so went to this store and bought this. And it's one line. It's not like a list of all the things, but you can immediately understand from one line just how rich they are based on them casually spending X amount of money on a dress. 
Yes, there. Like, I mean, like, there is a chapter I believe that opens with like something along the lines of like this person was trying to decide between two desserts, and they're like really expensive, like French desserts, and they sound like really fancy, and you're just like, like, yeah, like you clearly can tell like these people are like the kind of people who go to like rich very expensive restaurants and like we'll eat there and like make like their most difficult decisions of the day are what to eat or uh which restaurant to go to because which like michelin star star chef they need to see next or something like that well and if you think about like neither of us has ever been to singapore yeah the first time i went and saw the movie which we'll talk about later i went with uh my friend jesse whose sister lives in singapore so the whole time she was like i've been there I've been there, like pointing out in the film, like which places okay. she'd been to. Yeah. And she, her and I were talking after and she's like, no, that's what it's really like. Singapore is very, like, you have to be wealthy to live in Singapore. Everything yes. is extremely expensive. I, I saw recently. I know, I know, yeah, I know the history of Singapore in like, I know that it's like very astronomical. Like we think Toronto is expensive. Singapore is like. Well, Singapore is like intentionally expensive. Yes. It's sort of like, um, um, just like rich people living in this town. And, the and only- you have to be. If you're not rich, you really don't fit in. If you're not rich, you're basically like one of their servants who works for them. And then even then, good chance because you're a servant working for these rich assholes, like you're going to be making a ton of money also. So, Well, not a ton if you think of the Singapore. Actually, and yeah, in the context of in the Singapore, context, it's actually probably. You're making nothing. You're you're probably getting like screwed It's just like it if, if you think anyone. of any place like um, Toronto, London, New York, where it's. You could be making, I could be making more money than someone who lives in rural, where I grew up, air. But living in air costs so much less than living in Toronto. The cost of, yes. That the cost of living really affects, yeah, you're, you're, you could be making $100,000 and it could be nothing. Yeah. Like in so, Toronto where you need to have how much money to buy a house now here? Oh, well, that's like a uh, arbitrary. It is arbitrary. You but can it's... you can buy a house with less, but you have to be smart and buy something shitty. Frugal. You have to be very frugal. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's besides the point. We're going to society. So, yes. Society wise. That's the main part. That's a very main like underlying framework of seeing how these people fit in and how they connect, because the reason people hate Rachel uh, in this story is because she comes from America. She comes from a single mother who's or you know, doesn't make much money. She's self-made a tragic woman. backstory. She's as well. very tragic backstory. And everyone's like, can well at first everyone thinks that Rachel Ew, Chu middle class people. That's what it is basically. That's all it is. Yeah, but they but to them she's not even middle class, right? Like yeah. she's much below that. But she she, um, everyone at first wants to assume that she's Rachel Chu of a Taiwanese, um, tycoon family. Oh yeah. Like, like they immediately assume they like she assume has to she's be like from a, money yeah. and she's not. And so everyone confuses her and then everyone just assumes she's a gold digger when she really had no idea because spoiler alert, Nick is a really bad boyfriend. he's garbage he's he's so terrible he's such garbage he just like brings her into this situation doesn't give her any heads up and then like leaves her alone with different people from his world that like treat her like absolute why does Rachel dirt on the ground why does Rachel like Nick I don't know well I I think she likes him because she didn't know about his wealth 
She, didn't she liked know a about, phony version of him. Well, she liked the version of him that he presented to her in New York. They were both professors together. Which is false. Like, it's a lie. But it is a lie. He, I think he maybe wants to be that person. But by, by bringing her to meet his family and not giving her any heads up. Yeah, if you want to be that person, you have to be open about the person that you were. You can't just, yeah. like, pretend that, oh, I'm this person all and the time. And I think he has good intention. I think, like, we see near the end of the book that he does have good intentions. He does care more about Rachel. He doesn't care about this wealth. He really dislikes how his family treats her. He's willing to, like, cut ties with them because he's so upset with... But that doesn't make up for the fact that he, like brought her into this really horrible situation in a in a place that she has never been. Yeah. And where she has one she has one person who's her best friend, Paiklin. Yeah. Her who best can, friend from college. Who conveniently also lives in Singapore. Yes. So that's like she has convenient. one person who loves her and well obviously Paiklin's family really loves her, <laughs> but Paiklin is also very wealthy, not to the same level as the young family. But still has a lot of wealth. She lives in Singapore. She's, she lives in yeah, Singapore. So. She goes and spends money like no one's business, has beautiful clothing and cars. And doesn't she, isn't she also like, didn't she buy it or not buy it, but she rents like a private jet at the end of the book so they can go to China at one point? It's not like, yeah. it's like, they, it is so they, much. The money, money spending, <clears throat> the, like the wealth flaunting and spending is like, really minimized because it's just like, oh, yes, I've done this. I've yeah. done that. And it's, it's just like, oh, okay, you've done that. Rachel's the only character the whole time yeah. who is concerned about that. When when Paiklin is like, brings her to buy like a whole new wardrobe to fit in with Nick's family, she's just like, no, it's on me. And buys like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of clothes for Rachel. And it's like, this is just her friend she's buying clothes for. And Rachel feels very uncomfortable about it. Like she says, no, 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 I can't let you do that. Blah, blah, blah. Leave it, leave it. But Paiklin is very insistent. So she is... She is a very good friend to Rachel, not just in a monetary sense, but she also is very supportive and there for her through this whole process. And she called, like she, she even says, you know, Nick's family are treating you like garbage, but this is why they're doing it because she has more of an understanding of that Singaporean culture. Yeah. And she said, you know, she, she says often like, fuck them. Like, yeah. Because she, oh, yeah, she, she knows, she knows that like Rachel them. isn't a gold digger. Yes. She knows that Rachel is like one of the most genuine people. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're friends. Yeah. We're kind of, um, I feel like me, like right now we're, we're kind of staying a little too much along the plot stuff. Cause I, I, but I also don't know what else to talk about. For the- well, we need to, <laughs> the problem is there's so many characters, right? There, there are a lot. Cause there's-, there's one other main character I want to talk. Well, sorry. There's two other main characters I want to talk about in their relation to Rachel. Cause it's important to talking about and setting the stage of this. Yeah. Cause we have to talk about Astrid. Yep. Astrid. Who's like, um, very much, uh, almost like a, like it's, she's like the B plot, I guess I would describe her of the book. And I wish she was the A plot. Yeah. She's real, <laughs> like, she's actually like kind of genuine and nice and seems like she actually has like a problem that she's trying to deal with. Like, a yeah, very, very serious non-financial related problem. The Astrid chapters of the book were easily the ones that I was like the, like at least like someone invested when I was like, Oh, like this person is dealing with like this very troubling situation that's or like like well, it's obviously like stressful to go so through like, like what's going on with Rachel and Nick to maybe a lesser degree Astrid married someone not from money and he his name is Michael and he's always been treated poorly by the family yeah and but he is very insecure 
because he feels, you know, like he's not the man because he doesn't bring in money. Mm-hmm. And um, so he ends up starting to cheat on Astrid. Astrid yeah. finds out and she's, you know, thrown into this tailspin. Of, supposedly cheating. Well, uh, we should say. Yes, supposedly. Um, but he's unhappy in their marriage yeah. is mainly the is, point. Yeah, the big thing. And uh, there's a big internal struggle about what Astrid wants to do about it, whether to confront him, whether to... Not just and they have a child it. together, yep. so there's a lot of stress there. And this feels like a lot of the stuff that goes on between Rachel and Nick's family and friends yeah. treating her poorly is almost like it's very catty. It's very like, you're not good enough for my son, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Like, like basically like the whole... Well, it's like <clears throat> bullying, but... No, like Rachel lands in, in Singapore and then basically it's just like cattiness upon cattiness for like most of the book. Whereas with Astrid... It's actually like a story. It's a it's a very serious issue dealing I, with the possible separation, dealing with single yeah. parenting or co-parenting or like what have you and trying to navigate the world complete like your whole world is just completely crashed down. Now, for me, as much as I sort of like that, I also still feel like, I mean, I, we've we've been sort of talking about the plot, but I just sort of want to get into like what inherently my big problem with this book is. Okay. And it really comes down to a part, a point of conceit, and a uh, and just the f- and also potentially like a level of taste that this is just something that's not for me. But it's explicitly like when you're doing a book about like incredibly wealthy people, and all of them are just really terrible. I'm just not going to care about any of them for the entire duration of the book. I I don't know. This was such a struggle for me to get through. I don't know if I've ever struggled this hard with a book before. It's hard because it's clearly like you can think of like, I can think about all the people in the world that struggle with financially yeah. and crippling debt or, you know, in third world countries where they don't have the ability to have food and clean water. So like, I understand it seems like such an egregious you know, this entire plot point is just like of just all these very wealthy people just throwing so much money. It's not even just that, like, because like, yes, like on it, like a conceptually, like that idea is, was never going to like fly with me. Yeah. But the way the book is written for me, because Kevin Kwan is like his whole game plan is to basically, it, he's like selling you the setting of Singapore. He's selling you the setting of these, of this family and so much of the writing is basically centered around like all of like these wealthy things that they're doing, these things that they're eating, these very mm-hmm. like outside of my cultural understandings in terms of like wealthy lifestyles yeah, yeah, yeah. that are there that I don't give a crap about. And then there's all these like gossipy relationships that traditional, like very uppity rich people do all the time. And I just, I don't care. Okay. So, like half of the book, the first half of the book. Can I ask a follow-up question to this though? Yeah. Because I, I think I realized you did not like the book, this, the themes, the plot, like whatever. Oh, it, yeah. it was hard for you yeah. on that level. But do you think that taking your opinions aside that he did a good job because what you're saying he's doing, I think is exactly what he intended to do. I think that... Maybe it's not a book for you, but do you think he did a good job? No, I don't think he did a good job because honestly, it's just like it was the same gag over and over again. It was... But that is how Singapore is. They spend money like that. They do that. He perfectly described... 
I mean, the I, culture of, I realize that he romanticized certain parts. Of okay. Whatever. But here's the thing is like describing, I think you're letting accurately describing the way you can accurately describe anything in a variety of different ways. And, and I don't think that just because he got an accurate portrayal of Singapore doesn't mean that the way he writes isn't still very bloated or very, very dull. I, I just like, I, I feel like he just like over, over explains so much detail in terms of like the setting and in ways that are just not interesting at all. Like I, I tuned out. I think because the, the thing that's bothering you mostly plot wise. Yeah. Is the money and the egregious spending and how terrible the people are, right? Yeah. Generally, on a very, like, basic level, that's and, what really the, bothered you? And the book, essentially, like, the thing is, is, like, I would be able to, like, respond to the book a little bit more if it sort of, like, was inherently critical of these people. But I think it is. It is a little bit, but it really <laughs> lets them off. Like, it, it lets a, a lot okay, of Okay, but you people... also have to remember that this is a series and that's the first book in the series. Yeah, but I, like, if you're giving me, like, the, f- you can't use the series okay. as, like, a, I need you a to let me. I need you to let me counter everything you've just said. I mean, yes, that's totally fair, because I've just trashed all of it. I book. think that you are letting, and you don't have to agree with me, but I'm saying it anyways. I think that you are letting your personal feelings completely color the book, which is allowed. You were totally allowed to do that. But I think that book never had a fair shot in your eyes. It's entirely possible. Like the, I, I don't disagree that there's like an inherent, like I this do not think goes against my values. Yeah. Hardcore. I, it goes against my values too. But when I, I feel like I'm less emotionally invested than you are right now. Yeah. Well, I mean like, but that's the thing is a book, like it's just. And that is why I think the book was so successful because you hated it so much. Oh, uh, I hate because that. Because you hated those people. No, that is successful. There are movies and books that I have hated and it's, I respect those books. And you want to know the reason that I usually hate them is because I'm so emotionally Invested. There but are like, books that I hate because I'm like, oh, this. Is I'm, but I'm not emotionally invested with any of the characters. Like yeah, I was. But you are emotionally. Invested. I'm emotionally. You are passionate right now. I'm passionately invested in the like. The, I think that's success to me. I don't. I no. I like. I, I feel like you can be passionately angry about something that like is bad. I and think not that's just, the point of this whole story. I think the point is for me to sit for like the first half of the book and just be like angry the entire time by how like I don't give a crap about anything in it like literally like this is the problem no 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 no. I'm not saying the point is for you to like the book or for you to hate the book I'm saying the point that the author was trying to make is that this is a very polarizing community and that these people live with extreme wealth to the point that other things don't matter to them happiness doesn't matter in the same way it does like to Eleanor, Eleanor makes comments about happiness and saying happiness doesn't matter to her because she, she thinks sacrifice is more important. And from, and this is, again, this is a culturally sensitive thing that I don't fully understand, but like from, from what I do know or from what I have heard from others in Asian cultures, sacrifice, family, things like this are extremely honor, extremely important to the point that happiness takes a back seat. Okay, I'll give you another. I'll give you another uh, example. Um, so, the reason I don't necessarily agree with that argument is because I'll talk about one of my favorite TV shows right now, uh, which is a show called Billions, which stars Paul Giamatti and um, Damian Lewis. And 
it's a show about these one guy, one of these characters who's like an extreme billionaire and and then the another character who is like government uh, person who is also come into ex- like extremely high wealth and a wife and his wife who also makes tons of money. And it's a show about all these terrible people who are doing terrible things to one another. And it is also critiquing wealth. And I love that show because it's actually like it feels like I'm getting like an actual like interesting introspective look of that you know what and i don't begrudge you that because seinfeld is the same way like seinfeld they're all like really yeah loathsome characters they're bad people i'm not and you still enjoy that my point being is that i'm not unopposed the idea of reading or watching a story that is about wealthy people and like a culture of wealth and like studying it and analyzing it my point being is this version of this book gives me no meat about that stuff it's just like very standard like archetypal stuff and i just i don't care and that's what bothers me that's what makes me angry is it just gives like this platform to the story and i don't really get any value out of okay. it okay it's so, like it, it's it's mostly like intended to be escapist so literature right do you feel like you know my opinion right now on the story i'm just curious i get the sense that you kind of liked it but you're not like because uh, we know how you feel. I think it's very Yeah, I think I had feel. to get it out because it was like bothered. You were passionate about yeah. it. I get it. You've been kind of dancing around it. Yeah. I have been. Because I I I see certain things in this book. I will agree with you, it was it felt long. I was expecting it more to be like a rom com. Yeah. Uh like a chick lit book. Yeah. And it wasn't what I expected. No, it, that's what's weird about it. And I think that's I'm not going to say I love this book. I don't think I love this book. Well, I don't know if you can... Like, it's... Again, it's... I think it's sort of intended to be... There are certain characters that I felt more emotion towards, that I cared more about their story, Astrid being one of them. Astrid, I feel like, is the real story. That being said, I really respected what this book did because it explained to me something about a culture that I really didn't know much about. I have not done too much research on the culture, so this is, like, what I'm basing my... Not like my knowledge on this book. So maybe the book isn't accurate at all, but it made me more interested in something that I had never really been interested in before. I never really had much interest in Singapore. I'm kind of interested now. I'm interested in, because I know that it is very culturally wealthy. They have really incredible food. They have really incredible architecture. That interests me. Like as a country, I don't want to go there because I just really don't think I could afford it. But I'm more, I'm more interested in Singaporean culture, and I'm interested in certain aspects of what happened. I didn't love the story. I didn't love the book, but I do think Kevin Kwan did a really great job of bringing to light a culture that really has not had much attention and i think that's really important yeah that's i mean like that's certainly important to an extent but i mean my i i know a little bit about singapore oh good please tell me please tell me but most of it involves a lot of the economics of singapore because that's sort of like a subject that i tend to be kind of interested in and it there's an astronomical wealth gap there oh god yeah and i can imagine and they exploit a lot of labor and a lot of workers Mm -hmm. there and it like the the existence of Singapore in the context of how it operates really makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, yep. I mean, my general note about the book and the movie, I wrote it here and I showed it to you earlier, but I just wrote in big fucking capital letters and my thing was billionaires should be illegal. And I just like... Well, and that's, a, that's very top... And I'm yeah. glad we're actually talking about this because 
the economy right now in many different countries, like just all over the world. Yeah. On a, like a social level, not talking about books or movies. Yeah. Just to get a little, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Um, is really in turmoil because we can see across the board that the wealth gap is growing. The Canada is probably a little, I I don't want to say it's like perfect. We're not perfect. We're a little bit more stable than a lot of other countries there still is a wealth gap that is growing. Oh, it's yeah. not it's, as drastic, but it's still there. It's not as drastic in certain areas of Canada, but it's Toronto pretty, and Toronto, Vancouver pretty bad. are pretty bad. They're really bad. Um, but generally speaking, Canada as a whole is not the 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 yeah, let, growth of the wealth gap is not as rapid as in other places. For instance, the US, where it is extremely extremely noticeable and it's getting worse with specifically we can talk about like student debt loan not we're not going to get into it because it's a huge topic but i mean (laughs) that's like a specific area where you know people who are poor are getting poorer and poorer because the interest rates on their their debt is just getting higher and higher yeah so it's just something to note that this this book this movie it, it does skirt an issue that is important to talk about which is wealth and wealth inequality and distribution of wealth. I think that's why maybe people really reacted well. There's a couple of reasons people reacted well to this story. One is representation of Asian people in books, movies, et cetera. Yeah. Not just in, not just like as like Eastern Asians who actually live in China or Singapore, but like also like a perspective from an American Asian who has like background and like, there's obviously like a cultural divide. That's the thing. That's the, I think like the most interesting. It's important. It's actually just important that we have that because, you know, I'll say I'm, I'm a white woman and I grew up watching white women in movies, idolizing them. I can't even imagine how something like crazy rich Asians Oh, resp- yeah. People- How people who didn't grow up seeing themselves on the screen or in lead roles in a book. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. You're never going to find me. I, I'm against. privileged in that I don't have that experience, but I'm really happy that even though it's very slow and it's not enough that it's starting to happen. Yeah. I no, certainly. I mean, like, again, more off topic. Well, I How- think representation is not off topic. It's hugely... Well, more off topic from the book oh. is what I mean. Oh, okay. Um, they are casting the new Ariel and the new Little Mermaid. Oh, yes. As, uh, Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey, who I don't know much about her as an I actress. Didn't, I didn't know anything about her, but I went and looked her up on YouTube okay. so I could hear. Yeah. She's perfect for the role. Her, well, sing, I don't. I haven't seen her act, but singing Oh, in terms of her voice? In terms of her voice, she's so perfect. And I love that idea. Like, like I, I mean, like, go for it. Just, like... Give people of color more. What of a I don't like the idea of is Disney live action movies. Well, <laughs> so I, let's just cut that out. But well, yes, we've talked. We've we've had we've this. talked in, in in detail about this in our personal lives. <laughs> oh yes, um, but like I still like you're never gonna find me arguing against representation. I'm the guy who wants a um, a black man or a woman to play James Bond in the next Bond. Movie. Oh, I hope so. And I'm like desperately want that. So like. I'm going to argue for that anytime. And that was sort of the reason I kind of, I think I was the one who originally sort of like pitched the idea. You for, did, you did pitch crazy. Which is agents, so funny. Which is amazing. Hilarious <laughs> in, in hindsight. You did this to yourself. I did this to myself. <laughs> I did this agony. But I think it is important for us to have this conversation about representation. Yeah. Cause I feel like that well, was like, sorry, not important <clears throat> for us to have this conversation. Important. White people, but 
the co- the, the conversation have, yeah the it, conversation of representation should be happening it should be a cultural conversation and white sure. people should be you know i hate i hate to say it cuz we're so fucking privileged but white people <laughs> white people should be pushing for representation like we take for granted how fucking lucky we are and how easy we have it oh, white yeah, people should be like sure. don't put us in movies fuck us yes you know like that's i feel like that should be and unfortunately we're not there yet uh, Hopefully we're, we we're moving in the right direction too slowly, but yes, too slowly for sure. But it's it's happening. Is there any last comments you want to say about the book? Yeah, well, um, I don't know. I feel like I definitely got it out. I needed to unload. I I really did because I really I would love and I would love to hear from our listeners how they if they've read the book, like how they felt about it. If they felt so strongly passionate about the the privilege and the wealth gap or if they read it more like me as a this is a great understanding of a culture I'm not really I, I guess with. I guess before we move into the movie I just sort of want to establish what we both sort of think the intentions of the book are because we talked a lot about like some of the characters and we talked about our feelings then we also but we kind of like talked about what this book sort of like means in an over yeah an over cultural yeah. sense yeah. what do you think the book's like actual and intent is on its own like in a vacuum like like do you think it's an like intention i think it is i think it is a very subtle commentary on wealth and on you you think and i that's why i think it's a character from america coming in because the western world we see um we can we can relate to rachel most of us don't have that wealth. We can relate to that feeling. Of, and I think that's why Rachel is the main character and not Astrid, even though Astrid is more interesting. I think we can relate to Rachel coming into this situation, fish out of water, yeah. not understanding what's going on, what's happening to her, being totally out of the loop and and seeing it. And we see mostly from her perspective. And I think that is that this book is intended to be a commentary on the wealth and the wealth gap in also just as a story, like it, not a chiclet story, but as a feminine, it's like in between chiclet and female literature. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like a, a weird marriage of the two. I don't want to say genres, but like types of book. That's where I stand. Yeah. Um, I think it's intended to be kind of uh, a commentary on wealth, but I think it's kind of like a, I don't, I don't want, again, I don't want to get super critical about it right now because I did that already. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> You've let us know. I've let you know. So it's, it's intended to be a light commentary on wealth, on wealth in this society in Singapore. What it says is up for debate, I guess. Uh, yeah. But like, it's that, but it's also, I think, also intended to operate as escapist literature. Like, I think it, I think there's an element Like, there's there. an aspirational element? I think, I think that there's definitely a piece of people reading that book and going, oh, like, this is fun to read, reading about all the rich things that are going on. But, it's almost, yeah, like, aspir- like, you think of, like, a- this is a little off topic, but I think it gets to what you're saying. There are, co- there's cookbooks that are, like, accessible for people to use. Yeah. And, and then, then there are aspirational chef cookbooks. Yeah. That you're like, ooh, I wish I could do that. And you're like, maybe one day I will. But you never actually actually do yeah so like for me the way the way the book is supposed to operate is to be is supposed to be trying to be explicitly critical of the wealthy culture the culture specifically not the actual act of being wealthy but also like indulging in it and giving the audience like an 
the the reader essentially like a vessel to enjoy and that there culture. is there is something about how lavish it was that was appealing to me okay it like in my deep down <laughs> i'll never have this but i wish that i could not stress because you know like this is like a personal thing james knows just how stressed i am about money all the time it's not that I'm bad at money or I'm ever no, in like you're financial not money. You're danger. I'm like one of those people who will stress if I'm, I could have a million dollars in my bank right now and I would be stressing that I couldn't afford my bills. And it's because I just have like this weird mindset of saving for retirement and making sure that I live a com- lead a comfortable yeah. life to the point where I don't spend money on things that make me happy because I'm too concerned about spending money. Yeah. And so there was something really, like you said, escapist about reading this book and thinking if I lead th- led this life, I would never, I could just buy anything I wanted. I would never be stressed that I would run out of money. And there is something really escapist and enjoyable about that. The reason, me. the reason I bring that up is because we, again, we talked about plot and we got off topic for a bit, but I just sort of want to establish parameters for the adaptation. Cause usually oh, yeah. like we were, we, we try, I try to do that a lot earlier, but this was very, uh. You were passionate and I was I have devil ad, devil's advocate. Which I'm totally down for. We should do that more often. It's more well, fun. Well, it's because usually we are more... I, I would say this is like the first one that we, you know... Yeah. Disagreed the most on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because usually we're more on the same page. Yeah. So it's actually kind of nice. It is. I nice. felt like we were respectful of each other. Good. I, I hope so. That's I hope, key. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um... Yes, uh, but I think we will... We need to move on. I think we got to move on. This is longer than usual. (laughs) All right, we're going to move on to the movie. Crazy Rich Asians, the movie, which is very recent and was hugely successful. When we talk about cultural phenomenons, it was... It was one. It was... This was one of them. And and, and like... For a multitude of reasons. I mean, I, I don't know... I mean, I get the sense that the book also sort of definitely had its had its moment but the movie really like kind of exploded. Uh, and it brought about like as someone in the book industry, it brought a huge new wave of readers to the book series because it oh, is a series. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So- oh, yeah. It, it had a huge effect. Like, the books have always been popular. Like, they're... Um, when they've had um, the new releases of the yeah. sequels, they've been, like, huge, huge, huge releases. So, this is the first time I've ever seen the movie. I was originally trying to see it when it came out and go see it in theaters. And the cultural impact of this was so huge it was, it was sold out everywhere yeah. i could not see this movie. so i went and saw it i was telling james earlier the first time i went and saw it, i saw it with uh my friend whose sister lives in singapore yeah. and um she was like let's go see this movie i really want to see it and we went to there there used to be it actually closed this year there used to be this like kind of like hole in the wall theater near where i live it was called humber cinemas i'm really sad it's gone but that was like the only place I could go see it. And it was because you can't like buy your tickets ahead of time online. You have to actually go to the theater and like you buy your tickets at the concession stand. You know, it's like I one of those. It. It's like the Royal. I love the Royal. Yeah, it's like the Royal. Which, which is Which I'm very sad that Humber Cinemas is closed Yeah. Now. But yeah, so the movie was sold out almost everywhere for weeks. And it, it was like, it was like a Marvel movie wherein it stayed in theaters a lot longer 
than general movies do. Like it was in theaters a long time. Yeah, it really, it really raked in that cash. And I know sure. a lot of people. We should have actually looked up the box office. For it me. was. I think I looked it up. It wasn't actually like it wasn't like astronomically high compared to like other films. Like it, like in terms of it like wasn't a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't like five hundred million dollars, but it was like a good solid like three hundred. And honestly, and honestly, it's a rom-com. Rom-coms don't do that well. The budget of the movie, the big thing is the budget when you go to the ratio because it's only like, it's only like $30 million. Which is pretty insane for having filmed in Singapore. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't know how they swung that. Um, And like, if you look at how lavish the sets are. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happens. There must have been like some sort of inside connection there. Well, there, there might have been like using family homes and stuff like that, right? There might have been that. I wonder if there was tax credits. If they, if if Singapore Maybe. wanted like a portrayal of them in cinema, so they like really like up their, they like gave a lot of. Write-offs. And also, some of it might not have been filmed in Singapore. Like some of it, like, that is entirely like possible. I think of. I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head, like Pake Lynn's home. That easily could have not yeah, there's been a, Singapore. There's a lot of stuff that you can just like fake that and shoot that. And like some of the, the indoor States. store things that you could have done. Yep. So like, I mean, but there is definitely a lot of, there is stuff shot in Singapore. Oh, there's a lot sure, of like so. very um, well-known yeah. places that they shot. Um, but yeah, so hugely culturally important. And there was like article upon article, like BuzzFeed, Vice, like everything going on and on about how finally yeah. there was a full cast of Asian people starring in a movie about Asian culture. That was honestly part of the marketing. Like, it was like this appeal, like, come and see this movie where it's actually, like, culturally... And, like, you have the leading the leading lady, the leading man are beautiful. Yeah. Just like, oh my... Like, Nick Young. Oh my god, I look at Nick Young and I was like, oh, he's... I. No wonder Rachel's with him, you know? Oh, like, yeah. This movie has the prettiest oh, people the, in the world. It is the prettiest world. cast ever. I look every single person. I'm like, oh my god, you're beautiful. Like, yeah. beautiful. Like, Nick Young is like the most... What's his... I don't Henry know, Golding is He his is name. the most attractive human, like, ever. He's so attractive. He is so hot. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to be with you. Not because you're rich, but because you're just so gorgeous. Yeah, you want him to, like, I wanted him to not be as rich, so that way I wouldn't feel bad about, like, being like, please go out on a date with And Constance Wu is gorgeous. Oh, yeah, she's she's great. beautiful. And, like, oh, what's her name? Okay, so actually, the whole time I watched the movie, um, the woman who plays Eleanor Young, her name is Michelle Yeoh, I recognized her, and I was like, why can't I place who this is? And it wasn't until like the very end scene that I was like, oh my God. And I figured it out. So she was, um, one of my favorite books of all time, which I would love to do sometime. It's actually related, not totally related to this, but it's a book and movie that's completely Asian starring. So, um, memoirs of a geisha. She was in the movie. She played one yeah. of the lead characters in the Memoirs of a Geisha movie, Mamiha, and she was like my favorite in the movie. Like she did such an incredible job. And so I was like so mad when at the end I was like, Eleanor Young, the villain, was Mamiha, the wonderful, wonderful character in Memoirs <laughs> of a Geisha. And I like had a like bit of a break about it. I love Michelle Yeo too. She's yeah. like very great in everything she does. Yeah. So um, anyway, set aside. Um, the movie is extremely different from the book. It's they a, take a lot of... They take a lot of liberties, but yeah. I also think for the right reason... Basically, like, when I sort of... Uh, when I sort of imply that there's, like... There's, like, two intents behind the book. There was this version of 
mm-hmm. critiquing the wealth, and then there was this version of the escapism. The escapism. Yeah. And uh, I think what the director, John Chu, is doing in this is he he basically takes the escapist element of the book and like blows it up to 11. Is sort of like the yeah. intent here, and he sort of drops it's, the wealth commentary, which it is definitely. This is an aspirational rom com movie. Yeah, this, this really is com- like the perfect movie to watch on Netflix, like chick flick, Netflix watch with your friends. Yeah, it totally is. And, uh, yeah, I'd and the that. liberties he takes, like one of the really really big ones he makes, is at the end in the book, Rachel and Nick do not get engaged. Yes, they, the- it was like they. Didn't know if they would be able to make more movies in this series, so they really tied up loose ends. Well, I don't know how the rest of the books go. Neither do I. But like the intent, the the at the end of the book, the the intent sort of reads to me like, oh, they're going to reconcile, but there's not like an immediate reconciliation. It's just like sort of like, oh, this whole subplot that involved like her mom and her father who was apparently her biological she thought was dead her biological father who she thought was dead but was actually in prison but was actually no we don't know what happened to him but yeah he's missing that's all we know and i think that's probably one of the big yeah so they they sort of drop that element and sort of lean more into like they streamline the nick and rachel okay but they also make this is no 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 what i mean by it being extremely different is at the end of the book eleanor young and Amma, Amma, by the way, in the movie, oh. loves Rachel the whole time until yeah. the end. Amma does not like Rachel in the no, book. No, Amma's like really. She's like, like, who is this poor bitch? You yeah. know, like that's her opinion. But at the very end of the movie, Amma, yes, does not like Rachel because she's found out like dishonor on the family. Yeah. However, Eleanor Young is the one who gives her ring to Nick to go propose to Rachel so that Rachel is aware that she's been improved of. And that Eleanor Young is not going to be an issue for her. Yeah. That does not happen in the book. Eleanor Young is not a fan of Rachel. She's still like, no, you are poor and not good enough for my son. Yeah, pretty savage. Uh, Like super savage. And they don't do that whole like encounter at Colin and Araminta's wedding. Yeah, no. They do it like... Well, they ruin basically Nick's plans. Oh, they to yeah, they, propose to Rachel. Yeah, it's like a whole game plan, and they just show up and be like, and bluntly say Sa- in front so of her, "So savage." They're they're just like, "You were gonna propose to her." It's like, "Thanks for ruining the surprise," and and like to a point where Rachel is like, does not like she's stranded, she's trapped. She's, yeah, she's, she's relying on. She's in a different country, and she is with her boyfriend, who like a like yeah, she she has no one there except for her best friend. Who's and, but but they're in like a more um, yeah. like rural part like yeah, they're going exactly. to like his so they're, vacation home basically yeah exactly so she can't even like she's like how do i even get in touch with paiklin yeah she has no allies there which like brutally suck whereas like in the in, in the, the movie, movie she just immediately it's at the wedding which is easy to, she like probably just takes it's a which cab is classic to which is classic rom-com stuff yeah like, there's no like emphasis of like the the scale of singapore in the movie it's just sort of like oh characters here and then character gets and they add in that whole mahjong scene for her to like outwit eleanor oh yeah which i actually really loved in the movie i kind of loved that scene it was classic rom-com scene but i was like yes i think it was like i mean if you're gonna like again you can't take that book and move that immediately to the big oh it would be too much like there's no way to do it and the only way you can do it is to like in like kind of laser focus like streamline a lot of the plot and very kind of focus on things about the book that did or didn't work so they picked the escapist side of it and this is really funny 
Um, but I think that that probably was the best choice. That was the best choice. Because I don't, again... It would not have played out as well as a commentary. No, I don't think... It, it wouldn't like, have I, on screen. My, I mean, my whole thing is, even though I don't like the escapist part because I don't find any interest in that. I still can respect that decision because like, well, they made it less of a literary book, not saying it's a literary book, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a weird crossover. They made it less of that and really pulled out that rom-com chick flick and to, side of it. And to me, there's more appeal in that. There is more appeal, especially for the masses. Yeah. For people sure. People would not, a lot of people would not like that book that liked the movie. Yeah. Like that's, I, I think a lot of people who. Cause would, it's a lot more, the book is a lot more serious. It is like it, it, it really like I, it's supposed to be like a romantic, it's billed as a romantic comedy, the book, but it's not as funny or as like, as like outwardly romantic. So comedy. it's like actually like a, like kind of dramatic. Something and, I really want to talk about. This is like the main thing I want to talk about in the book. And it relates to you saying something not as funny. Yeah. Pake Lynn is like a totally different character in the movie yeah, I don't than know she is in the book. Going on there. But I love it. Okay. It was the best choice because in a rom the, thinking strategically as rom-coms, yeah. you always need the hilarious sidekick. You need that supportive character who's and like And Aquafina is the star of that movie. You're right. Damn straight, I'm right. It's fake land. I'm always right. Yeah, she's like trying to play a game of chicken with me. Where she's like coming at me and like thinking I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. I'm not gonna swerve, not for her. Y'all, chickens are bitches, dude. And I'm not a chicken. You're not a chicken. You gonna roll up to that way and you gonna be like, bok bok bitch. Bok bok bitch. Bok bok bitch. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I cannot handle Aquafina in that movie. She's she's the star. She's really good. Again, she... this is one of the things that the movie is like really successful at is... Um, animating the characters, like the streamlining and making them very animated makes them more appealing and more fun. Yeah. At least in And like her relationship with like Oliver Sien, the like gay, poor cousin in the family who like does everything the aunties want. Her relationship with him in the movie is is very, I really like it. This is sort of the, the one thing that I find interesting about the movie is that, so, I mean, like, again, we were sort it's of- It's very stereotypical. Well, it has all the the stereotypical it's characters. It's like deliberately taking those stereotypes, but just putting like an Asian flair onto them. Yeah. Like the idea is like, totally. like this is like giving that representation, like that, those traditional characters, like that proper representation that they should have and they just never got. Like- um, that character, Oliver, you know, he reminds me of almost identically too, in terms of like characters yeah. we've actually talked about on the, on the podcast is, um, I can't remember his name, but from she's the man who's the, uh, the gay best friend who like basically like does up, uh, Amanda Bynes hair. Oh, uh, was his name Andrew? It might be, it might be Andrew, Andrew? but like, either way. It's like that character. Like, that's like a classic version of that, like, Oh, it's, it's another in... sidekick character. Yeah. Who has the very... This is what I mean. Like, she has the... I hate to use this term because I disagree with it, but she has, for lack of a better one, she has the gay best friend. Yeah. She has, you know, the beautiful boyfriend who's kind of, like, elusive. She's got the best friend who's hilarious. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is... I don't know why, but, like, when I watched Mulan, like... Aquafina as Paiklin had like the same like audacity and hilariousness of like a Disney character like Mushu or like Timon and Pumbaa or you know what I mean? Yeah, she yeah, had yeah, that yeah. like amazingly hilarious rapport where she just like was super supportive and a great friend, but also like called shit out. And like 
even just like the scenes where she they they drive up to the young mansion and she's got like she goes through her car trunk and she's like going out cocktail it's whatever like the different outfits in her car are yeah and she's just she is a character like she just has her her thing and you always know when she's on screen you will laugh or find maybe not you because <sighs> you hate everything but <laughs> But for me, everything. every time she was on screen, I was dying. She like made that movie for me. No, she was. Uh, I definitely like. I I responded to her character like from time to time. I like again. I didn't hate this movie. I didn't hate it as much as the it book. wasn't for you though. No, I like the like it. It's funny that I thought before like picking this book like I thought I would like this and it like the fact that I didn't seems like super obvious in hindsight. But like clearly, this is not for me. But I think it's like, I don't even want to... You say, know what audience it's for. Yeah, like, I you know, know what audience, audience for. Like, this is something I can write off and be like, this is not for me. Like, the, like if you want... If but this I is get what you're why people for, like it. I get it. As opposed to the book where I just like, I, I sort of don't get that mix. Whereas here, like, yeah, it's totally understandable. I can kind of like grasp it. So the entire two hours I'm watching it, while it's not like... Two hours? Didn't like feel a, like two hours. It's like a two-hour movie, but it moves along pretty quickly. It moves along at like a pretty, like a pretty it's decent very. Rate. Paced. Yeah, that's the other thing I really like about the movie. I don't. Oh, not, the pacing is a lot slower in the book. They cut out so much bloat from the book because they're not doing the commentary, and because and because it's a visual medium. Instead of getting all these long descriptions oh. of really rich shit, they basically just you like, show it. It's like a. It's like they just on the screen you see it. Yeah, and then it's and gone. then I can just sort of like appreciate John Chu's like cinematography. Yeah, which is nice. Like I, I like that I can do that. Um, do you because you said the only character you really cared about was Astrid? Yeah. Did you were you upset by how much they cut from her story? Because um, I was I I understand why they did, but at, like I said, she's the real story to me. I'm not that bummed, honestly, because again, like didn't like as much as I like liked Astrid in the book. Um, I also thought, again, her story was really bloated and I thought you could cut it down. And also the twist with her story in the book, like, threw me off. Like, I was like, that's such a weird choice. Like, a very specific... So what, what I missed out on with her was the whole Charlie Wu, her ex-boyfriend. Oh. Because basically, like, one of the things in the book about her ex-boyfriend was that they were engaged to be married, they had all this stuff, yeah. and, but he wasn't, he was still v extremely wealthy, but not as wealthy as her family. Yeah. And so, her family was, like, looking down on him, and then what was really interesting was that she ended up breaking up with him because of the pressures of her family, but then when she got together with Michael, who was not a Like, bit. they were like, oh my god, where's Charlie Wu? They yeah. wish she was with Charlie Whoops. Wu again. She was just like, no, screw it. Fuck you. I'm going to be with Michael. And like, really, I just thought that that was a really interesting thing. And I think who they show at the very end when Astrid's at the bar in the movie, when Astrid's at the bar and there's like a very good looking man there that they smile oh, at each other. Oh, is that supposed to be Charlie Wood? I think that maybe that's, I don't know for sure. Is that the, I, oh, is that the implication? That's the implication that I got was that that's Charlie Wu. If they do another movie, they can bring him in as a character. Oh, that was the implication I got. Wow. I didn't even pick that up, but you might, I think you're right. And that is actually a little infuriating because like that basically, cut out the, that, that cuts whole, out a huge character element of Astra basically being like rebellious against her family, which is yeah. like the appeal of her in the book. It is the appeal. Cause like she was, she was raised in circumstances that were beyond her control. She yeah. was born into this family, but she really yeah. fights that. 
And part of the reason like Michael doesn't want to be with her is because he feels like she doesn't, that she's constantly trying to win everyone's affections in her family. And he's like, why can't you just shuck that responsibility? And she doesn't. But it's like she gave up a lot. Like, you see more of her character that she does make a lot of sacrifices, which goes along with that cultural idea of sacrifice. Yeah. um, But anyways, yeah, I, I, that, that whole scene, I I think that that, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a random guy who's good looking that it's supposed to show she can move on with her life. But to me, I was like, is that Charlie Wu? So I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I I have no idea. And, but that sounds like entirely possible. If they do another movie. Well, they're definitely, they're definitely, it would make sense. Yeah. They're definitely doing another movie. Uh, I don't really know where to go from here because like there's, there's a couple things I want to talk about, but they don't necessarily relate to what we have been talking about. So I, mean, I think we well, just like, switch topics. No, just go like, honestly, cause I, I don't really have much to add to the movie because like, well, it's most just of mine are things stuff. that they did differently and whether they worked or not, because it is about adaptation. So one of the, yeah. one of the really big main things that changes the story a lot is that the youngs are like secret rich in the book. Yeah. It's like when, when, um, Caitlin in the movie finds out the Nick you're dating is Nick Young and like immediately like freaks out about it. Like she knows who he is. Yeah. That to me is, it changes things because in the book, everyone's like, like Paiklin's like, oh, that's a really rich area. Like when, um, Rachel gives the address. Yeah. But then she's like, can't figure out, but it's because the Young family is very, Secretive. Yeah, they're like no one knows how much money they really have to a point where they aren't so much in the media as being one of those super wealthy families, but they're old money and they probably are richer. Which is like probably an accurate representation of rich people. Like, yeah, they're very secretive. Um, So that was really interesting to me that that came about. It's like only the people in the really rich circles know how important the youngs are. Whereas people outside of that, like new money and other people yeah. aren't aware. And that leads to Rachel being more, more blindsided. She's totally blindsided because Paiklin doesn't even warn her. Whereas in the movie, she kind of gets that warning to an extent. In doing that, the other thing that that does making that change is it sort of prepares the um, audience. Well, it prepares uh, Rachel to kind of like, it, it softens Nick, I think, a little bit is the thing. Because, like, Nick comes across as, like, to me, a really shitty boyfriend in the book because he really kind of, like, forgets to mention all this stuff. Or Whereas purposefully. In, pur- yeah, it's very purposeful. In the movie, it's implied that he just sort of, like. He's like an he, idiot. He just doesn't really just know like, much oh, about it. He's like, oh, I didn't realize. He's like, like oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize it was that important. And, like, you see that conversation between him and Colin Koo yeah. when they're on the dock, when they've, like, escaped the crazy bachelor yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. It's like. He has that conversation where he's like, I'm going to propose to Rachel. And Colin is the one who's like, don't you realize the implications of this? And Nick almost is like dumbfounded by it. Like he's totally, they they make him more likable in the movie. They make him seem to be like a, no, I just support love. And yes, I love my family, but I don't love the way that they treat Rachel. I don't love this. I don't love that. It's almost like he honestly didn't know that things would go this way. Which is like. Which I think is really ridiculous of an idea to think he wouldn't know he knows how his family is he watched what astrid went through yeah like he would know yeah you should have that knowledge so it, it makes him a fucking shitty boyfriend yeah 
And even like the constant pressure he puts on her, like after she clearly has said, you know, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I don't think this is going to work out. He's like, no, but let me propose. You know, like he's constantly like, and she's like, no. And I was actually really happy in the book that they don't end up engaged because a lot of shit went down and I could see them getting married eventually if they work through these issues. But like, yeah, but that's the realism. Don't don't make a bandage proposal. The book is supposed to like, again, the book like has a different intent. The movie really kind of wants to like make this a very Hollywood romantic comedy. It's, it's a fairy tale story. Yeah. Which like it's, it's basically just taking the name of the book and taking the parts of it that are Hollywood and putting it into a movie and just using the name of the book to like sell the movie. It's not really like... And adding a little bit here and there. Yeah, it totally is. It's a very loose adaptation, which I mean, I'm not opposed. It is and it isn't. It is. Well, like It just cuts a lot out. It cuts a lot out. And changes a few key things. Well, I think changing a few key things is like, to me, is the big thing about making it a loose the, adaptation. I would say the beginning though is very, very accurate to the book. Oh yeah, it like, opens plot with the... Wise, it's just towards the end. Yeah. That they change a lot of the ending, but it's to make it a Hollywood ending. Yeah. Because the book is not a Hollywood ending at all. They really, it's more, it's way more real. It's like Rachel is a stronger person because she's like, no, I'm not marrying you. There's all this fucking shit going on. We need to work it out. As someone who didn't like the book or the movie, and I actually, I think in overall, I like the movie better than the book, but I think the ending of the book is stronger. I think it's- it's But it wouldn't have worked for a movie. But it would not have worked for a movie. No. No, Exactly. Um, Um, But I I agree. I think it's, it's more real. But there's no like, like there's no like- those ideas never link. I feel like there's so many, like, like the small, like the main changes with the characters are pretty, I don't want to say sacrilegious because like, that's maybe a bit much, but they definitely, it's definitely not true to the book. It's not true. Like I really didn't like suddenly like Ama loves Rachel, thinks she has an auspicious nose. I was like, no, she fucking hates her. She does not think this woman is worth that anything. I don't, that I don't mind too much. It be- bothered me. It bother- like, it didn't really didn't bother me that much because it sort of felt like... They really villainized Eleanor, though, over... They made it was like, Eleanor's the problem, not Whereas Ele- Yeah, as opposed to, like, Eleanor is more like a like a. And I think part of it problem. is that Eleanor, as a character in the book, dealt with the shit that Rachel's dealing with yeah. to a lesser extent with Ama... I think I would have liked it better. I liked it better that they were kind of like a team in hating Rachel. Yeah. Because then it was like they almost like I could understand Eleanor disliking Rachel more because it's like finally someone else is more of a disappointment. Yeah. Like you can understand that character trait more than you can understand her just like because if if it was the other way around with Ama liking her, you know, I just I don't know. I see it more as like. She's like, oh, well, Ama's happy with Rachel. Then she's happy with Nick's choice. And Nick will, Nick will decide, like Nick will marry Rachel. And she, he'll still be the favorite because Ama really likes Rachel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's kind of her intention is that she wants Nick to be the favorite. So I don't know. I guess the movie overall, different from the book, more of a rom-com. Okay, well, lavish. Let's start with this. Did you like the movie? Do you yes. like the movie? You yeah. like the movie. Okay. I like the movie. It's fun. I don't like it in like a criti- critical way. Like yeah. I don't like it in a like, wow, that was like amazing what they did. They did something totally new. It's the same way I liked 12 or not 12th night. She's the man. It's fun. So here's the funny thing is I don't like it from an entertainment standpoint, but I appreciate it. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's well made. 
I think it's. Uh, I think it's exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, I think like it definitely. It, it hit like there's the an box. It has an. It has a very explicit intent of what it wants to do. That intent to me is not really worth my time by any means. But like I can un- totally understand why some people think it's fun and good and why they enjoy it, and I think that it absolutely succeeds in what it's doing. So I'm actually weirdly enough giving it props i guess which is really i feel like well, we this, have to do if we like but yes yeah. this is like the key question i guess we do like i i don't know how much this question matters in my case okay but is the book a good adaptation of the, do we give it or, our sorry, thumbs is, the, up? is the movie a good adaptation of the film or of the i'm saying it wrong i'm stupid no i know what you're saying not is, enough coffee yeah i should is, have made more is, coffee is the movie is a movie a successful adaptation of the book yes is what you're trying to say yes our our age-old reductive question of this pro- podcast the, yeah the after all the after all shit like we've just said yeah do we do we suggest you watch it do we think it's a successful well, adaptation I, like, Suggest you watch it an adaptation or two different questions, I feel okay, like. Okay, whatever. Do you think it's a successful adaptation? I feel like this is sort of similar to another book and movie thing that I sort of have, like, opinions about, which is the adaptation of the movie Kick-Ass. And this is really off topic. Don't give away your, don't give away your shit just in case we do it later. Well, Kick-Ass is a, a movie that I really enjoy, but mostly for, like, performance. And that movie is very different from the book. Like, it has, like, it's it's sort of... Very similar to this adaptation, where I think the movie is better than the book because of the liberties it does, and because it fo- it laser focuses on one idea. So and I consider yes it, or no. I'm getting to it. <laughs> I'm getting to it. I consider Kick Ass a good adaptation of a bad book, and that's what's sort of happening here. Where I think, despite some of the changes in terms of like the characters, because this happens with Kick Ass too, I think that those changes are made in service of a single idea from the book that I think was probably the strongest element of that book and just like blowing it up. And if that's the appeal that you got from the book, then yeah, it is a good adaptation. Is it a good movie? I don't like if we're, I don't think so. You didn't so. like it, but, but it, you I, understand why people I understand. do. So yeah, it is a good movie, I guess, in that, in that, from that perspective. And I, as, as a result, I gotta, gotta say like the things that took from the book were the right things to make that movie. And it's not untrue to those things. So yeah, it's a good adaptation. I'm the one that took so much effort and explanation. I did, but like, to be fair, I'm giving a thumbs up to a movie I don't like of a book that I dislike even more. But the question is not, do you like the movie? This is my point. Being is the question is almost irrelevant in this situation for you. For me. Okay, so for me. I think it's relevant to note that I didn't necessarily love the book, but I saw enough in it that I picked up the second book and I am planning on reading it. Okay. All right. Which I didn't say earlier because I actually wanted to leave it for You wanted question. to spoil it. No, I wanted to give it for the, I wanted to leave it for this question because I think it's relevant. I am concerned that what they did with the movie will make consequent movies not work. Yeah. By... That's really fair. tying up loose ends. That being said, I will still give it a thumbs up on being a successful adaptation individually, not considering what they could possibly mess up in the future. Because I do think 
even though they made a ton of liberties that I really didn't like on a personal level, that doesn't make me think it's not successful. And I think that this movie, I watched the movie before I saw, or sorry, I watched the movie before I read the book. Um, so I actually really loved the movie when I watched it. It was upon reflection of reading the book that there were things that I didn't love that they changed, but I know why they changed them. And I think for a mass audience, it made a lot of sense to change them. So yes, I think it was so you a think successful those adaptation. Changes were the right choices. You don't think for a single one-off movie? Yes, I do. I am for reserving, single one-off movie. I am reserving my judgment on future adaptations ah, okay. because I that Charlie Wu thing. I think I'm convinced that that's going to be because in the book, in the first book, I feel like that's. The natural lead up. I haven't started reading the Although second one. Although it's entirely possible she goes back and starts sleeping with a Charlie Wu in the second book. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. I think that's the natural progression of story in the second book. Yes, there will be some Rachel Nick stuff, but I think a lot of that has been like that'll go on probably to something to do with looking for her father. Yeah, that'll probably that'll be, be the main plot point. But Astrid, who's clearly a main character in the book as well, it's going to be something to do with Charlie Wu. Okay. And so I'm reserving my judgment on if the first movie fucked up any subsequent movies. Okay. But you're saying... But I'm saying as a one-off movie, it's a successful adaptation. Okay. As a one-off movie and a one-off book, it's a successful adaptation. And yeah, this is what happens when adaptations of series happens and then changes happen. Like, you don't know, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if it matters because I don't think I'll see the movie, the second movie. I And I don't think I'll read the second one. That's fair. I think you're you're kind of over it. Yeah, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to kind of like... I'm going to read the series, I think. So maybe maybe when I read it, it'll take me a while because I'm reading 8,000 things you can time. give us updates. But I'll give you guys updates. Let me know if it's if it's worth reading. Well, I don't think that you would ever be worth <laughs> no, reading. It won't be. <laughs> so I won't say that, but maybe our listeners it is. Yeah, because I bet Maybe like, they enjoyed it. Let us know if you enjoyed it. Because yeah, this is pretty you, polarizing for us. It was definitely polarizing for us. I but, but that just might be us. I have a feeling a lot of people really like this book. And not and, just if you like it, but like if you do find that it was a successful adaptation or not. Yeah. Like maybe the changes really pissed you off and you're like, no, fuck that movie. But maybe you were like, wow, like James, you were like, that book sucked. I want, I, I want more of this movie. I have a feeling magic. I'm going to be the only person who doesn't like the book for some reason. I don't know I don't, why. I don't agree. No, I don't know if people have the same reasons as you though. I don't. Because I, I think, didn't necessarily love the book. I think people won't have the same reasons as me because most people like me wouldn't read this material. Okay. I can't believe I thought I'm book and a movie called crazy rich asians yeah you did this to yourself james was going to be something i would like this was a self-inflicted pain this was definitely in self-inflicted wound for sure so um, think about that next time you're really aggressively pushing for us to do a movie oh my Slash god my, well we know what i'm aggressively pushing for next do we do yes. I? Yes, you do. You'll have to tell me when the mic's off. Oh, I no, I've remember. said it before. I know you have. Oh, I do. <laughs> We're going to do... This will be another polarizing episode. We're going to do Twilight. I swear to God, it's Oh, I happen. thought you were talking about a different one that yeah. I also am annoyed about. <laughs> Which is... Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yes. We'll have to do that at some point. As we, well, have, we have so many episodes planned. So this yes. is not ending anytime soon. No, we're going to do Twilight is the one I really want to have. He wants to do every single book and movie. Hell yes. And I'm like, really? That's a lot of pain for me. Just 
five, four episodes of Twilight. I'm like, I can't wait for it. Can't wait for the first one. We'll see. We'll Gonna see. talk my Catherine Hardwick heart out. We'll see. We'll see. Robert Pattinson. Stop giving stuff away. Okay. But actually, we need to, we need to stop <laughs> we this. We do need to wrap this up. Because we need to wrap up. We've been going a little longer than usual. Since Sorry. <laughs> no, not, do not apologize. Because well, I think. I wasn't apologizing to you. I'm not, I don't think we should apologize to the fans because we got angry James finally, which was going to happen eventually, but. You're, you're angry. I just want to tell you though, is like not even angry. It's the angry. I would version call of it me. passionate. Yeah, it's the. <laughs> James angriest. is one of the like most like nice, friendly people I've ever met in my life. And when he does get super like angrily passionate about something and he's like, I'm so angry. I just want to be like, oh, honey, and give him a. <laughs> Oh my god. Ugh. Well, that was crazy rich Asians. Anyways, we have to do some thank yous. Oh yeah, we have to do our thank yous. Um So well like obviously we have a couple that we do every week. Yeah, we do uh Isabel Wing who did the intro music. Thank you so much for yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. It was you. a huge favor to us and we love that. Um and then Victoria Peach who did our logo, yep. which we love. Hopefully you do too. Yep. And Katrin for kind of helping us out when we were setting up the, starting out, starting the podcast. Yeah. Um, and of course, we have to... What is our outro? It's been a while since we did the you outro. You don't remember? I'm blanking. Man. I remember. I started. Okay. Start the, start the outro. You're, so You per- have the easiest part. Okay. Everybody. It's, this was not natural the way that you just brought this up. So thanks. Now it's going to sound super mechanic. I'm super glad. Okay. Everybody, remember to please always visit and support your local library. And that's a wrap. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs>